Welcome to Long Story Short Podcast, where we reveal short stories of an active, living God who shows up in everyday life. You paid the price for all the world and me. You paid the price for all the world to see. And for those who choose you now, Shalom. Maybe the reason God uses broken people so much is because he has more pieces to work with. I think through that experience, I learned that, you know, toys and really from extension from that, you know, physical possessions or physical things really aren't near as important as people. The two young men sharing this story display unusual maturity for their ages, but that's not really surprising after spending some time with Ben and Isaiah and their family. By the way, you can learn more about their family on Podcast 14 when we recorded their parents. Despite being brothers, these men have very distinct life stories, and yet one of their many commonalities is that they both love God and have seen him show up in their challenges and broken circumstances. In this short podcast, you'll hear about an arrest, the struggles of foster care, the loss of a parent, the pain of childhood illness, and the struggle to let go of treasured possessions. And then you'll hear how God turns heartache and sacrifice into beautiful things. Listen as these brothers talk about a few life lessons they've walked through. Both Isaiah and Ben could have easily used these circumstances to justify rebellion, anger, or even rejection of God. Instead, they've recognized God's sovereignty and keep seeking Him in the up-and-down journey we all face. Ben talks about the tremendous gift of his family working together to help others. And Isaiah reminds us that nothing is too big or too small for God to heal. In fact, they've seen God use these difficulties in life to transform them. Hi, my name is Ben, and I grew up as the youngest of four children in my family. And so when we started doing foster care, most of the foster children were younger than I was. And I think that gave me kind of a unique experience compared to my siblings because suddenly I was no longer the baby of the family when I was used to that, which I guess all of them had that experience when I was born. But um, I think when I tell people that, that makes sense. They kind of connect with that and they think, yeah, you know, doing foster care or adopting kids probably was really hard, and it was, but I definitely got a lot more out of it and learned so much more than the energy that it required of me or anything. And one example that I kind of always use because I think it kind of is a, shows it very clearly is that, you know, when I was a kid, I had these toys that were really precious to me. And, you know, I love playing with them all the time. And there'd be a foster kid that 
would also want to play with that toy too and every once in a while the toy would get broken or scratched or something and at the time it was a really big deal you know oh no my favorite airplane it, you know part of the propeller got broken off or something but I think through that experience I learned that you know toys and really from extension from that you know physical possessions or physical things really aren't near as important as people and through those experiences of having to talk to someone that had just broken my toy I learned that people are more important than things of course at the time I didn't realize that but now that I'm older and I'm able to look back more I think I've learned how much I got out of doing foster care there was one kid that was a foster children of ours and she was really young and she had different medical needs and things like that and I think that um, I just really for some reason I just really connected with her and even though she was you know wasn't old enough to talk or anything like that I think for some reason you know I don't really know why but we just connected and I I really loved her and I think you know she definitely wasn't the first foster kid that I loved or something but it brought it to a whole new level and I think through having her live in our house I think I realized you know this kind of experience that love and desire to help other people that caused my parents to first do foster foster care and so I think from then on all the other foster kids that we had whether you know we had a full packed out house full of kids or whether it was just one foster kid I think I had a much deeper appreciation for kind of the blessing that it was to be able to share my home. And there was one girl who was actually older than I am a little a little bit, and we had her as a foster kid for about a year. I think it was actually a little bit over a year, and that was just so cool because, you know, as time went on, she just really became a part of the family, and we, you know... I think all the foster kids felt like family, but her especially since it was so long, I think that when she left, it it was like felt like, you know, part of the family was really missing, and we stayed in touch with her since and gotten to know, you know, continued to build that relationship with her, and that's been really cool to see. And as I kind of mentioned before, you know, now that I'm older and have this separation from all these experiences and have you know maybe grown a little bit wiser hopefully I you know I think that I've, I've I'm able to look back and kind of see you know that I really did get a lot out of that and I think one of those things that I didn't really think about when I was younger and I think maybe is something that a lot of people when I talk about you know having a lot of other kids living in my house that weren't my biological family and that my parents invested a lot of time in is maybe people think, you know, like, well, you know, what about you? Well, you know, this attention that maybe would have gone to you is suddenly going to these other kids, you know, and how did that affect you growing up? How did it affect it not have as much attention from your parents? And that's a very, you know, valid question and something that I've thought through. And what I've gotten out of that is that, you know, as a Christian, as someone that is a disciple and wants to follow God, I think, you know, we're kind of called to that. Obviously, the family is so important, and even for missionaries and people like that, you know, the family comes first. And my parents, ne you know, definitely never neglected me. They didn't 
failed to give me the attention they needed, but instead they saw, you know, hey, you know, I have these kids that I'm able to pour into, and I can help bring my kids along, and we can be doing ministry together in such a, a cool and I think natural way of bringing other people in. And suddenly, you know, not only from my parents' perspective, you know, not only are we pouring into these kids that are kind of like our children for a while, but suddenly our kids are able to pour into them too, into these kids that are hurting and these kids that are in need. I think from that, I actually learned more from my parents than what I could have learned from them just, you know, going out every weekend and tossing a ball around or something. Um, I think that I learned a lot more from doing ministry with my parents that way than I would have if they would have just instead, you know, been selfish or something with their house and been selfish with their resources and instead just focused all on us and said they were able to bring us into ministry with them. I had a really cool experience uh, two summers ago. I was a camp counselor uh, with some of my friends and stuff uh, at a camp up north, and it was so cool because every single week a bunch of kids would come to camp and you know, almost all of them were really excited to be there. And, you know, they, like, oh, you know, we're going to have so much fun. We're going to, you know, make a whole bunch of new friends. And so it was cool to kind of be their, like, their mentor for the week and not just have fun with them and stuff, but also really get to pour into them and help them get to know God better. And I think from that, you know, like, it was such a cool experience. And I was, you know, doing ministry with a bunch of other people and helping all these kids and I realized, you know, this is an awesome experience this summer, but I think that in a way I've been doing this my whole life. You know, every single day that we had a foster kid in our in our house, it was like I woke up and I was doing ministry and pouring into someone. And maybe I didn't realize it at the time, but I realize it now. I think the coolest thing that came out of our doing foster care was that we ended up adopting some of those kids, you know, Isaiah and you know, it just spoke, and also, you know, Haven, and Marie, and Caleb, and Hannah, and now Joshua, and so, you know, just yesterday, we were out, and we were playing football, and, um, you know, tossing the ball around, and helping some of the younger kids learn how to play football, and it was just such a cool bonding experience that, you know, I wouldn't have had if we wouldn't have done this, and I think having a larger family with a bunch of younger siblings is it's just such a cool experience to be able to help them learn about God and which is something that I wouldn't have been able to do as the baby of the family. Hi, my name's Isaiah. I just want to tell you about a day that um, changed my life forever. My day started like any other day. I was living with my mom and two sisters, um, and I was in kindergarten. My mom let me bring five apples to school that day, but I fell asleep on them on the way to school. When I woke up, it was the sound of police sirens, and there was a police officer outside of our car, and my mom was in handcuffs. Uh, there was a police officer unbuckling me, and I was so scared when they put me in the police car because I thought that I was going to jail. I remember asking them if I could have my apples, um, and then I had my sister come out of the school, and she was crying, and I didn't care about my apples really anymore. The police dropped us off at a place called St. Joe's. St. Joe's is a place um, where they bring kids to wait 
uh, while they try to find a foster home for them. And that was the beginning of my life in foster care. I never got to live with my birth mom again. Um, and I was in a foster care for three years. My life before foster care was bad, but living in foster care was really hard. I was really wild, so people had a hard time taking care of me. Um, but there were a couple of exceptions to this. One was a shelter home we were moved to three different times. They really cared about us and brought us to church and prayed that we would end up in a safe place. Um, and it was one of my favorite houses to stay at. Another exception happened on November 17th, 2006. I was seven and a half years old and my life again changed forever. This is the day that I moved for the eighth time to a different foster home. But this family was different from our other foster homes that we had lived with. Instead of just staying there for a little while and then leaving, this family adopted us. Um, our adoption day was in February 2008 and my sister and I were finally brought into a family to call our own forever. Uh, my family continued to do foster care, and with every child that came through our home, I was determined to help show them that they weren't just a foster kid. They might be in foster care, but that didn't define them. Uh, they're a child of God. Although I ended up being the problem a lot of time, I still was determined to help them in any way I could. When I was 10 years old, one particular child really changed my life. He was a foster baby that had Ewing sarcoma. My mom and I would make an average of about two trips to the hospital a week. Um, he had to be hospitalized many times. And when my mom took me along on these trips, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. Ever since then, one of my major goals in life has been to be a neurosurgeon to help kids just like baby A. As my family continued to do foster care and we adopted four more kids, we also were taking kids through safe families. And I feel like even though my life has gone through the ups and downs a lot, God has really taught me how to use those things to help others and to show Him to them. Though I'm still working on trying to see the good in my bad situations, it's getting a little better. When my biological mom suddenly died three years ago, I didn't really understand that at all. Now I can see some good things that have blossomed from those seeds of sorrow. Some of my friends have lost parents too, and I have been able to understand them better than some people. I also feel like God has shown me the power of healing. Um, when I was originally taken away from my mom, a wound was formed in my heart. Through foster care, that wound got bigger and bigger. When I got adopted, that wound began to close, but it never really closed all the way. And then when my birth mom died, it kind of ripped open that wound again, and there was a huge hole. Nothing I did could ever fill that hole. After a few years, I went through some intense prayer, and a different hole in my heart was filled. Um, but it wasn't filled with earthly things, it was filled with God. That made me kind of realize that the hole that my birth mom had made in my heart wasn't going to be filled by friends, books, girls, or technology. It could only be filled with God. It was a God-sized hole. Only He could fill a hole that big. That taught me to turn to God for other things also. And although I still struggle with it, it's an effort that I'm trying to make. One thing that helps me, and I know can help other people is this. Nothing is too big for God. Nothing is too small. He can heal everything and can help you through it all. A quote I recently saw by Bob Goff, he said, maybe the reason God uses broken people so much is because he has more pieces to work with. So you can't just let your past define you and live your life based on that. God can turn your greatest heartache into the most beautiful things. You just have to be willing to let him.
Thanks again for listening to another installment of Long Story Short Podcast. We appreciate you, our listeners, for taking time to download, listen to, and tell us how the podcast has helped you see God taking an active role in your own story. And thanks for checking out the website, longstoryshortpodcast.com. You'll find direct links on the site to add the podcast to your iTunes player, to Stitcher, TuneIn, and soon to Google Play. You can help us by searching for longstoryshortpodcast.com in your favorite podcast player on your phone or tablet and adding us to your favorite playlist. By going into iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Google Play and rating our podcast and leaving a review, you participate in the story that God is telling. You will find us on Facebook and on Twitter at LS Short Podcast. The point of the podcast is to tell everyone about the glorious things God does. So thank you in advance for sharing, liking, and tweeting links to the story in your network. And thanks to Les Elias and the Sons of Evie for their music contributions. Check out links to their website in the show notes. Bye-bye.